0: Well, Tom, you uh, basically just said my whole sermon, so I'll uh, just sit down. I'm just kidding. By the way, I'd just like to put a forewarning here, okay? Um, in America, where I'm from, um, if you can't tell, I'm from America. Uh, where I'm from, we say First Peter. So just so you know, I know, I know, I know. I will try my hardest to say 1 Peter, but it just does not flow off the tongue for me <laughs> like First Peter does. So we'll see how well I do with that. <laughs> so today we are reading from 1 Peter, <laughs> chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to there. I'm going to do the same with mine. Also, speaking with a microphone and this handy-dandy thing here and the Bible and notes, it's just... It's a lot, so hold on one second. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. All right, we're reading from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of of the Spirit, And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. (laughs) Who? Catch my breath. (laughs) So, to start out, I just want to give you guys some context um, on one Peter. I'm trying. So 1 Peter was written by Peter, very creative name that they came up with. Uh, And it was written from Rome. Peter was in Rome at the time, and he was writing this to Christians in modern-day Turkey. Now, this was written only um, a couple of decades after Jesus' time. So as Jesus died and he resurrected, he was in Israel during that time. And now uh, Peter is writing to the people in Turkey. So obviously the gospel had spread during this time, which is quite amazing that it was able to spread that quickly throughout. And it was actually written at the beginning of Nero's persecutions of Christians. Now, if you don't know who Nero is, he was an emperor of the Romans. And Romans were basically had um, taken control of this whole area. And so the Roman Empire at this time was Nero. And he began a persecution of Christians. So under Nero's empire, um, you would serve the emperor as God, and you would go to the pagan temples, and that's where you would worship. And so the Christians, because they believed in God, they refused to do this. And so therefore, they became threats to Nero. And during Nero's time, he persecuted a lot of Christians. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Colosseum. Has anybody ever been to the Colosseum? It's an absolutely beautiful piece of architecture. And you're there and you're looking around and it's like, wow, they made all of this so many years ago, right? Before they had, you know, forklifts and tractors and all the nice things that we have now to help them. They did all of this before, all, before that. And yet, Colosseum was also the place where many Christians were martyred. So it's really interesting because this, this chapter that we're reading about is all about this living hope that, that Peter is talking about. And yet, the context of the area that we're ta- the time that we're talking about is this time when the Christians are about to be persecuted. So Peter sees this, and he's warning the people who are who are about to be persecuted. And now, some of them may have gone to their deaths. Some of them might have also just been harassed, things like this, tortured. Um, but all of these, but he's writing to these Christians, and he's talking about this living hope that they have, which is a really interesting balance. During Lent uh, here at our church, we were talking about how we have become part of the family of God, and this um, this passage talks a lot about how we are now reborn. We have new birth, and it gives us lots of blessings that come from being part of the family of God. He talks about mercy, so the fact that even though we deserve um, to like we deserve punishment for our sins, that Christ takes that punishment away. He talks about how we have this living hope. He talks about how we have an eternal inheritance that will never perish, never spoil. He talks about how we have God's power with us. He talks about how we can have an inexpressible joy. He talks about this faith that we can have. He talks about salvation of our souls. And he talks about how when Jesus left, he left us the Holy Spirit. Now, those are a lot of blessings. Blessings. And it's really interesting because he also says in verse 1 that our identity now is that we are chosen by God. And then in verse 2, he says that we are set aside. And holiness, as we are stepping into this time talking about holiness, holiness is this idea of being set apart, of being set aside. It does not mean perfection. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think of holiness, I think about, you know, like the holiest people at church. You know, like the front row people, right? And I don't really consider myself a front row person, you know? Like those are the holy people, people who have their hands raised during the entire bit of worship. You know, those are the holy people that sit like in the front, you know? And then there's like me who's like, you know, a middle back person, you know what I mean? In fact, if we were solely basing this off of perfection, then I would not be standing up here. In fact, last week, I made a mistake where I sent Tom to a meeting, a lunch meeting that he was supposed to be having the next day. So he went, he showed up, was texting me and was like, Rachel, this guy hasn't shown up. Realized it was the wrong day. So clearly not here because holiness means perfection. (laughs) It means to be set apart. And Christ has done that for us. In Becky's sermon last week, she talked about how When we are coming um, to God, we can come with our true selves. That we don't have to put on the filters. We don't have to um, make ourselves look really dirty when we're fasting and things. We can just come to him with our true selves. So how do we balance these blessings and holiness and being set apart with the sadness and difficulty of trials? I don't know what your life has looked like, but I'm sure there's been some difficulty in it. What kind of trials have you been through? What kinds of difficulty are you going through right now? Now, trials and difficulties for them looked like upcoming persecution. But for us, it looks very different sometimes. Your trial might look like an illness that you're going through. Your trial might look like anxiety or depression, mental health. Your difficulty might look like relational difficulties or death of a loved one, miscarriage, hard work environments, loss of a job, financial struggles. There are so many different things that we all go through in life. And I grew up in America, okay? Now, America, if you guys have ever been there, it is all about how we can be the most comfortable, how we can be the most convenient, you know? So let me give you some examples. In America, when it's hot... We have our air-conditioned houses, and then we get in our air-conditioned car and drive to our air-conditioned work, and then, you know, you get back in your air-conditioned car and you go to an air-conditioned restaurant, you know, and the whole cycle continues, right? When you go to the shopping center, you drive around and around and around and around to try to get the spot that's closest because we wouldn't want to have to walk 50 more steps, you know, to get the spots in the back, right? Right? So I don't know about you guys, but growing up in this culture of comfortability and things, I don't really want to go through a trial. I don't really like going through a difficulty. It's not what I would prefer or even choose. And yet Christ tells us in John sixteen thirty three, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world." I find it funny that in this verse he says, you will have trouble. It's a promise, right? But then he says, you can have peace, don't worry, I've, I've overcome the world. But you will have trouble. So we have this balance of peace and trouble, suffering and overcoming. And today we want to, I want to talk to you about how we can respond in suffering and what we can do in times of trial. So I have three things. In trials we can know that our faith is being tested we can remain set apart, and we can hold firm to the living hope. So number one, I've, I bullet pointed this for you, so if you're taking notes, you're welcome. <laughs> number one, in difficulty and suffering, we can know that our faith is being tested. In verse 7, Peter talks about how it's like the gold going in fire. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a process of gold going through fire. Probably not. It's not really something that we look at these around these these days. There's not a lot of blacksmiths around, but it still does happen. So when this process of gold going through fire, maybe you have a gold ring or something, and there's impurities on it, or, you know, it looks like it's scratched or whatever. So they'll put it into fire, and they will start to burn it so that the gold starts to melt. And what happens is all the impurities start to rise to the top. And so then they can take the impurities away, and it just leaves the gold, and then it, you know, they form it back into whatever it was before. And so it, um, Peter is talking about our faith that's just like this. It's like the gold that goes through fire. Now, in my last um, sermon, I talked to you guys, you might remember, I talked about how I had gone through brain surgery. And if you weren't here, basically, uh, I went through brain surgery, and God completely healed me. Um, but what I didn't tell you about that time in my life is that Um, About three weeks before this, um, before I had brain surgery, a friend of mine passed away. So I was going through this whole time, and to be honest, no processing whatsoever happened during that time. No emotional processing. So about six months later, all of the things that had happened to me started just all coming up, right? Because I hadn't really processed it. It was just kind of like, oh, it's fine. It happened, you know? And about six months later, I started dealing with really bad anxiety. And I started having all of this anxiety and all of the impurities, basically all of the, the, the insecurities I had, all started to rise to the top. Things about, like, why was it me that died or that didn't die? Why, did I, why was I able to be healed through this? Why did I have to go through this surgery? Why did they find it? All of these different things I started to really be able to process with God. And as I went through this time of wrestling, all these fears and these insecurities and impurities, really, that I had, these things that were in my heart, all started to rise to the top. And eventually, God was able to weed through them and take them away. Now, not all of them have completely gone away. They weren't all just, like, wiped away, like, completely, you know? But slowly but surely, I've been able to wrestle with God and work through those things. I think it's really interesting because when you go through struggles, when you go through difficulties, a lot of times people tend to think that you shouldn't ask God questions or that we're like, you know, you don't want to ask God the difficult questions. But somebody who, when I was going through the season, told me, God is not afraid of your questions, so keep the conversation open. And as we look through the Bible, we can actually see lots of different um, experiences of this. So even Jesus, when he's on the cross, he says, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He asks God the question. He keeps the conversation open. In the Psalms, we see this constantly. In chapter 88, verse 14 of Psalms, it says, why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? In Psalm 88, 18, it says, you have taken me... You could have taken from me a friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Can you imagine telling God that? Darkness is my closest friend. (laughs) In Psalm 56, 8, it says, Record my misery. List my tears on your scale. Are they not in your record? In chapter 44, verse 23, it says, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? They ask God questions. They keep this conversation open. God's not afraid of your questions. So as you're going through difficulty, keep the conversation open, asking him. Your faith is being tested, but you can keep that conversation open. So during this time, as I was going through all of this anxiety, I was going through, you know, dealing with this wrestling with God, I have to say that so much of my prayer life and my faith life would be not be the same if I had not gone through that season. My belief in healing has completely changed because I experienced it. So now when I pray for others for healings, I know that God can do it. My faith has changed. Because I can stand here and say that although there might be difficulties, if you go walking through anxiety, you can conquer it. My prayer life has changed. Now when I talk to God, when I ask him those questions, I know that although I may not receive an answer right now, that he will answer it. And he will be able to to walk me through those things. I know that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. That even though I walk through the valleys of of the darkest valleys, that he is with me. That I can fear no evil. So remember in trials to know that your faith is being tested. But that you can go to Jesus with it. Number two. In times of temptation and suffering... We can remain set apart. We can remain holy. So this set-apartness, what does that mean for our faith? It means that you can hold fast to your faith, turning to scriptures and remaining holy. How do you respond to tragedy? How do you respond to difficulty? It's interesting because the person who's talking to us here in, in 1 Peter is Peter who we see many, uh, a few books earlier, is the guy who, when Jesus is going through his darkest moments, denies him three times. Not once, not twice, three times. I bet that was a real big difficulty for, for Peter. And yet here, he tells us to avoid the mistake that he made and to hold fast to our faith. Churches and Christians have a long standing history of standing up during difficulty. And Ruth, who's our church administrator, was actually telling us a story about how a church in Ukraine right now um, has been taking in lots of different refugees from other parts of Ukraine. And they are feeding 1,100 people. 1,100 people through this church. And they actually had so many people that the military came to them and told them, you can't have them all gathering at one time. It's kind of like a, it's a safety issue, you know. Um, they're going through bombings and things right now. So they told them they needed to have, do something else. So in their creativity, they decided to open it to Bible studies and invite these people in and so that each night of the week they can come, they can get their food, but they can also participate in a Bible study. That is amazing. Churches standing up and rising through difficulty. Not backing down, but rising up. They were ambassadors for Christ. So how can you be an ambassador for Christ during your difficulty? How are you going to respond to suffering? Number three, in times of suffering, we can hold on to the living hope. I looked up what hope means. And it means a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen, a feeling of trust, or to look forward with desire and reasonable confidence. To be honest, I think hope is what sets Christians apart. In fact, I don't know how you go through life without it. How do you go through the difficulties and the suffering of life without hope that there's a better future coming? You see, we have hope for this eternal inheritance that Christ talks about. But I think that our eternal inheritance is not simply a future thing, although it is a future thing, and we will talk about that, but it's also a present thing because we have the Holy Spirit working in us at all times. We have God's power with us. It says in this scripture that we have God's power with us. We can have joy. That is the inheritance that we have right now. But we also have a future inheritance. An inheritance of seeing God and experiencing the salvation for our souls. The Bible says that God has gone up to heaven and he's creating a place for you right now. That is what we have to to look forward to. A place where there's no more tears, no more suffering. But as we live here on earth, with all the difficulties of, of being here on earth, Jesus is your living hope. He's the one who came and who died on the, death for, on the cross and died and res- resurrected for you. He is our living hope. So whenever you go through trials, whenever you go through difficulties, you can know that your faith is being tested, but you can also remain set apart and hold firm to that living hope. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew he was about to walk into the darkest valley of his life. And yet he says, your will be done. What a challenge for us. So easy to want to pray away all of the bad things in our life, right? Take them away. And yet Jesus says, your will be done. We don't always know what our, his will looks like in our lives, do we? As I've transitioned here, I have to say, it's been a huge answer to prayer. But it's also been a really big difficulty. When, I, when we moved here, I had moved previously to, I, we were living in Spain. I had moved from the States to Spain. I had done, you know cross-cultural transition, I was like, I got this, you know. They speak English here, it's fine. (laughs) But I have to say, the cultures are quite different. (laughs) And there's been lots of transition and lots of difficulty that comes with that. But every single time that I remember that this is, I'm also living in an answered prayer. I'm living in the prayer, prayer requests of Please, Lord, help me get my visa. <laughs> Please, Lord, help James and I get married, even in COVID. <laughs> All of these different prayer requests that I had, I'm living in the, in the midst of them. That doesn't mean it's easy, right? So as you live in the balance of difficulty and peace, suffering and joy, I pray that you will learn to lean into God during those hard times and to go to the only one who can truly help there's a song called "Living Hope." We actually sing it here, and I just like to read you um, the lyrics to the to the chorus before I as I end. Worship team, if you want to come up, you can. I'm reading this. It says, "Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name." Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you that no matter what we are walking through, no matter if it's the most difficult season of our lives or not, Lord, that you are with us. That you are our living hope. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal inheritance that we have in you. But I also thank you for the present inheritance that we have, that your power goes with us, that you give us joy, that you give us peace. And Lord, I just pray that for each person here who, um, no matter what they're walking through, Lord, I just pray that you would help them to remain holy, to remain set of heart, to remain steadfast, holding firm to their faith. Lord, I pray that they would know your presence so deeply. That they would know that you are with them and that you are our living hope. God, I thank you that that our trials mean something. Lord, that you bring meaning to them. Lord, I pray that for the person out there who's struggling with anxiety, Lord, I pray that you would bring them peace. For the one who's struggling with depression, Lord, I pray that you would bring joy to their lives. For the one who is dealing with death of a loved one or um, illness, Lord, I pray that you would bring them comfort. God, I thank you for difficulties. I pray that you would help each one of us as we go through them to hold fast and hold tight to you, to ask you the questions and to listen to the answers. Be with us, Lord.